0: Steps into it, passes, caught! Diggs, sideline, touchdown! back to the Unbelievable Podcast. I am B.J. Rydell, back here with my guy, Drew Maholt. And today, well, we've got a bit of a combination episode for you here. Um, we had a bit of technical issue um, earlier this week when we had the opportunity to um, discuss the Vikings' loss to the Dallas Cowboys. Um, but we still want to cover some ground on that because... You know, that uh, wasn't great. There's a lot of ground to cover. There, yeah, absolutely. We, uh, we have some thoughts. So um, we're going to spend a portion of this episode uh, breaking that down and kind of sharing our, our standpoint on that game. And then we'll finish up like we typically would uh, for a Thursday episode with a preview of the upcoming matchup. And that t- this week is the Carolina Panthers. Uh, and then we'll finish up with our picks. So that's kind of the game plan for today. Uh, should be a fun one. So let's get right to it here. Um, starting back with the Dallas Cowboys game. That the Vikings lost uh, by a mm-hmm. final score of 31 to 28, as I'm sure you guys are all well aware at this point. I don't need to break down the in, you know the intricacies of the game for you, yeah, since I'm sure you've been thinking about it all week. Um, and the reason why you've been thinking about it is because, in my opinion, and I'm going to start with this right here, I think that that game signaled the end of the Vikings' season. They that was the that was the day the Vikings died, right? And we just spent about a month talking. You know, being optimistic, getting excited about this team. Talking
1: ourselves back into exactly. a, a chance, yeah.
0: <laughs> and immediately, once both Drew and I got on board saying this is going to be a two-score win by the Vikings based off how they're playing and how terrible, you know, Dallas has been and how, you know, washed Andy Dalton looks, they go down the field and they put up 31 points on this defense. And, of course, we have to talk about Kirk Cousins, who played 98% of this game to perfection some of the best throws you will ever see from the quarterback position were made, were made during this game. But ultimately, when it came down to it, and if we have to talk about it, mm-hmm. the Vikings lost.
1: And that's – I mean, that's going to be on him, or at least he's receiving a lot of the blame for that. And um, there's a bunch of different angles to go with this, right? Um, you know, Kirk Cousins played arguably the game of his – uh, career as a Viking, really. I, I believe going into that final drive, he had like three complete passes and two of them were throwaways, he was something like that. Twenty-three at one point. Yeah. So, and I think that's what the line that I was, I'm thinking of. It might have been he ended up twenty-two for thirty. I don't know what it was, but um, he had he was extremely efficient uh, throwing the ball throughout the game and like you said accurate all over the field you know the dimes to Jefferson down the field both on that fade route down the left sideline and then you had the touchdown throw to him you had Thielen multiple times on perfectly accurate balls um, and he was also moving around a lot you know he was creating plays with his feet which is not Kirk Cousins-esque so a phenomenal game by Kirk Cousins and then of course the you know crunch time drive that stalled partly because justin jefferson dropped that crossing route absolutely uh that would have netted probably 15 yards had he caught it turned up field uh so i mean i'm never going to be one to blame just one player or focus the blame on one player no matter what happens but um i think in this scenario it's tough to really look at kirk cousins and say okay you're at fault for this game now at the same time this is the difference between Kirk cousins and an elite quarterback. And no, I don't want to compare cousins and like Patrick Mahomes, for example. Right. That's unfair. But I mean, with the Vikings game and Kirk cousins, they got it. And, and then the chiefs also, they both got the ball in the same scenario. Right. It was a 31 to 28 game and got the ball in their own territory, limited timeouts, limited time left. Right. And with cousins, you didn't really expect much to happen. You were hoping for the field goal, maybe right. Hoping for the field goal, extend it to overtime and win the game there. And then you watch the Chiefs game against the Raiders Sunday night and you kind of get a way different feeling. You're kind of thinking, well, let's see how they walk down the field and win this game in regulation. And that is the difference to me between these two guys. And and I'm not going to – we're never going to have – Kurt Cunz is never going to be in that elite stratosphere. I don't think we're ever going to put him there. But that's just – the problem with that is, is people, you know, with the contract and the money he's being paid, a lot of people say, "Okay, your cut your quarterback should be able to do a Mahomes type thing there in that scenario," and repeatedly, Cousins does not, and so that's where the the problem lies for a lot of people with Cousins. It's not about you know what he did in this game, you know, for fifty eight minutes or whatever. It's that that last two minutes where the star elite quarterbacks, you know, time and time again come through, and even when you expect them to in a tough scenario, Cousins has repeatedly not done so, and so there is just that dichotomy there. And it's something that needs to be addressed. And I think, you know, whether you like it or not, he's the Vikings quarterback for the next few years here. And that's just the expectation that the Vikings are going to have in the, those crunch time scenarios.
0: So when you think about what a good a good quarterback looks like, right, there, there's different levels to being a good quarterback, right? Like, you know, yeah. we make – we talk about top 15, top 10, top 5, whatever. But in, in terms of, like like, actual production, right, the first thing you're looking for is that he can execute the system, right? Go down the field, bring in the play calls, get the guys around him, throw good passes, you know, have awareness in the pocket, all that stuff, right? That's what gets you into like the top 15. To get into the top 10, you got to start covering up issues, right? Mm-hmm. Whether that's your receivers like Aaron Rodgers making Marquez Veldez Scantling look good, or that's Patrick Mahomes last year making a non-existent running game look like not even a problem, mm-hmm. you know, right. You got to find a, that's what gets you into that next level, right. That all pro tier is by being able to do that. And finally, if you're able to not only cover up issues, not only XE system, but make everyone around you a better player than they actually should be. Then you're probably a top three, top four, top five quarterback. There aren't many guys on the planet that are able to yeah. do that. So when you look at Kirk Cousins, The expectation is you see the dollar sign, right? You see the $84 million tag, and you say that guy's getting paid the same amount of money as this guy right here. And they're both good, but one guy is here. One guy is here. Kevin – or excuse me, Kirk Cousins is never going to – well, I don't want to say never because there are glimpses, but he's probably never going to be a guy that covers up other people's mistakes. This game was kind of a great kind of – this is Kirk Cousins' in a nutshell. He played fantastic. Fantastic. Top five quarterback, great throughout the game. He made all the throws. Every single level, whether it was the short pass, the intermediate or deep, every single one of them was on point. He dropped two or three in the bucket. And granted, yeah, Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson made him look good a couple times, but that's kind of the relationship between a quarterback and a receiver. You give one, you give some, you take a little, whatever it may be, and eventually you try to come to you know, a positive result. And I think that Kirk Cousins did that for 98% of this game. Now, the fumble early in the game, we can talk about that, whatever. I mean, it was a dumb fumble. It was a fumble that a professional should not let go of.
1: Also a fumble that probably should not have been counted given the, the head-to-head contact on the play, but also, that's probably exactly. another discussion.
0: Right, but ultimately you look at – that happened, right? Like there's no – like you can't just hit the rewind button and not – right, that right, yeah. it happened. He responded extremely well, which is something he doesn't do, by the way. So you look at all of these pieces here, and then it comes down to that one spot, right? You get three. You're gonna get four downs here. You're gonna get 10 yards to get another four set of downs, and yes, we can point to Justin Jefferson and we can say, "Look, you dropped an easy first down. It's a mistake. This, you know, that drive is on you." We can say that. That's okay. But Kirk Cousins had three other downs to work with. Now, if you think of top 15, top 10, top five, the kind of that that you know that level, those levels that I just you know discussed. Cousins was doing his job on that drive, right? He did everything within his power to do his job effectively. But he didn't cover up anyone's mistakes. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the difference between what's going to give you a winning quarterback, a guy that's going to get you nine, ten games like he did last year, or a guy who is literally going to take you to where you need to go, regardless of circumstance like Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. There just aren't that many guys like that. And I think we can fairly, you know, conclusively decide that cousins is never going to be that guy and that's okay but
1: it's just the problem people have yeah the people pro- the problem people have is the contract that right. goes along with kirk like he is one of those guys and it's just that's the issue and so you mentioned covering up issues right i, I brought up the mahomes game sunday night against the raiders because the chiefs had very similar problems that the vikings did against the cowboys where the defense could not stop anything, right? Like Derek Carr and the Raiders offense marched down down the field against the Chiefs the whole game, scoring points, uh, you know, responding at every chance they got. Um, In a a way, I think it it wasn't quite as in a dominant fashion because the Cowboys benefited from like field position and special teams miscues, but um, Cowboys did it the same way where they just kind of scored, you know, basically every time they got the ball and it was up to Kirk to respond you know, no matter how much time is left, how much, right. uh, you know, whatever the case may be. And so he had, like, it was, you know, Patrick Mahomes covered up the defensive issues. He covered up the fact that offensive linemen were hurt. He covered up the fact that you know a couple of his top receivers were hurt. And, you know, they ended up winning the game. And it, there wasn't really a doubt either that they would win the game. And, you know, once the Cowboys scored that last touchdown with a minute and a half left, it seemed like, the writing was on the wall for this game. And so there's just that significant difference. I think that's the one big discussion piece that there is from this game, uh, you know, is it's is Kirk Cousins. And it's of course, it's going to be Kirk Cousins in every game. But like the, it's always the quarterback. Off, this offense is so efficient and so elite that it, it really is it, – it is, it's It's frustrating that they're 4-6 because the efficiency at which they move the ball, even the fact – given the fact that their offense is so old school and, you know, run first even though – how efficient they are in passing the ball. I and mean, there's there's so many issues that can be corrected, and they're still among the best offenses in the NFL, and they're still four and six, and they're still finding a way to lose to the Dallas Cowboys at home. It's frustrating, and it's not all on Kirk. It's not, but that's that elite quarterback discrepancy that an elite quarterback will go down there and get a field goal and send that to overtime at the very least. Kirk didn't do that.
0: So ultimately, this really comes down to – a situation where you get to play. I mean, as a fan, you have a right to place blame wherever the hell you want. Right. Who yeah. cares what anyone else says? Right. If you want to say Kirk cousins is wholly at fault, you go ahead and do that. You might not be totally right, but you go ahead and do that. Like that's your, you're allowed to do that. It's your perspective, and right? Like, absolutely. And I,
1: I mean, I can see somebody coming to that conclusion by thinking, well, the reason the Vikings don't have a good defense or don't have a good offensive line is because of Kirk's contract. Yeah. So it's all his there fault. You get there in a blah, number blah, blah, of blah. ways. Yeah.
0: It's there. Like, right. But, it's there. The 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 issue that I have here is that I guess this is a matter of your expectation versus what is reality. I feel like, and granted, this isn't always fair, I'm pretty grounded in the reality of what these players are to this Vikings team. And that's why I'm so critical of Kirk Cousins and people say to me, he just had a great game. What are you yelling about? Well, it's because that game is like, it's not – it's not always – that's not who Kirk Cousins is. Kirk Cousins is the guy you saw against Dallas. He played exceedingly well. So good. But then when the moment came, it didn't get done. And, yes, that's not his fault. I am not personally saying that final drive is on Kirk Cousins. But the Vikings lost the game. Kirk Cousins is the face of the franchise. You have to take some share of the blame there. You have to because there were three other downs. And those three other plays sucked. They were terrible. They were going backwards, and if they weren't going backwards, they were throwing the ball up into God knows what territory. And that was on Kirk Cousins. Jefferson, yeah, that's that's a problem. He dropped it, but I'll bet you he never does it again. I will bet you that Kirk Cousins will fail in that situation again, though. That's, I mean, that's where we're at. And to me, kind of to, to, to finalize this section of the show, the Vikings moved to four and six, and you're right. I agree. It's very frustrating. It's incredibly frustrating, not just for the efficiency, but also because they should have won three games now. They should be 7-3. So and three. that's the thing,
1: right? And see, the other argument is, well, Kirk has, in three games this year, he's thrown a go-ahead fourth-quarter touchdown pass, and they've lost all three of them. And I so, know! And then, so
0: that's – like, yeah. who else do you blame but Kirk? Because he had the opportunity three straight times. And, yes, you can blame the defense. That means you can blame Mike Zimmer. And I encourage you too, because that defensive performance against Dallas was atrocious, especially considering what we know about what this team has been all season long. The offense, top to bottom, phenomenal. A-plus is down the, grid, down the board. I give Kirk Cousins an A-minus because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to knock him just because he's the quarterback of the team that lost. But everyone else, great. Dalvin Cook not at the most efficient performance, meh, whatever. Adam Thielen, sensational, probably one of the best catches I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, if your defense can't get it done when everyone's clicking on offense, It's not just a Kirk Cousins issue, and I will give you that, but ultimately he had the chance. And all you can ask for in the NFL or any professional sport is the opportunity. And when you get the opportunity, you either live or you die with it. And I'm dying with Kirk Cousins because he's had that opportunity three times and failed. And now, to me, four and six isn't going to, like, you can't really claw your way back from that with the way that Arizona, Seattle, Los Angeles, et cetera, is playing. I don't think the Vikings get the opportunity that they had
1: last week. Yeah, it's going to take, I mean, we'll we'll discuss this in future shows, but basically, it's going to take a five and one finish, which is extremely unlikely in itself for the Vikings, right? Given that they just lost to Dallas at home. I mean, finishing five and one against right. any string of opponents would be difficult, given that. But also, then they need Arizona to finish three and three, and a few other things to go their way. So, more or less, um, it's not it's not looking good. And so, uh, but with that said, we can still transition to the Carolina game here. Um, look ahead to you know, with there is an opportunity,
0: if, there
1: There's is, opportunity. and I'm confident in with, it. with if there was fans in the stands, this would be a really really fun game because of the Teddy Bridgewater return. As a starting quarterback to Minnesota, that would would have been a great treat to be in attendance for. Now it doesn't right. look like, well, A, Teddy may or may not play given injury. He's got an right. NCL issue. But also, B, the fans aren't going to be there. And we also don't get to see Mitch Christian McCaffrey probably. So uh, we get to see prison Mike Davis uh, <laughs> in there. Uh, so uh, it, it's a different Carolina team, but they dominated Detroit last week.
0: Yeah. You know, so this game's interesting because – part of the reason why we blend these shows, right, is because, I mean, the result of this Dallas football game immediately just – it immediately puts – changes the dynamic of this game right here, right? If the Vikings are 5-5 and right now, and they had been able to go down the field and get a touchdown on that final drive or, you know, not allow the touchdown at the late stage of the game, whatever route you want to go, if they hadn't done that, you head into this game 5-5, and Arizona is one game in front of you. This is why I'm so pissed, right? One game in (laughs) front of you – Green Bay also lost, so that means that you've got them in front of you by two games and an opportunity to get back into it in the NFC North because they all have to play each other still. So you have all these things happen, and one of, things ha- one of the things that didn't happen is that Carolina didn't lose, so now you have this big opportunity this week if you're 5-5 five and five, to essentially knock Carolina out of, the, out of contention because they're in a similar position to Minnesota right now where they need this win as bad as anyone. But now I don't care about 5-6. and six. Then you have to get you have to 6-6 to six and six against Jacksonville, and then we just get to get shot down again against Tampa Bay or New Orleans. I'm not excited about this the same way that I used to be, and it's a direct result of what happened against Dallas because I just saw a set uh, for a, a lot of their roster, a second-team offense and defense beat the Vikings in a against their offensive best. That was the best the Vikings could do offensively most games, right, in terms of efficiency. And now they have to do this against, you know, Mike Davis isn't bad. He's by no means, you know, what I thought Andy Dalton was to Dak in comparison Mm -hmm. to Christian McCaffrey. He's going to get yards, and he's going to play well. And I don't care if it's Teddy or P.J. Walker either, because I think they're very similar-styled quarterbacks. And, yes, I do think that Teddy Bridgewater is one of, you know, a lot better and probably more consistent because he has more time playing the sport at a professional level. But P.J. Walker looked really good. So I'm scared of that too. And he probably moves better than Bridgewater does at his at this point in his career. So this might be a disaster for the Vikings once again. Mm -hmm. So, again,
1: the 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 Carolina offense has weapons, man. They do even without Teddy, even without McCaffrey. Like you have that receiving core. You have Robbie Anderson. You have DJ Moore. You have Curtis Samuel, who has kind of turned into their like their like gadget player type version of like Percy Harvin is what I thought of. Yeah. I mean, you know, the guy who will line up in the slot, he'll line up wide, he'll line up in the backfield and take handoffs. He'll do all of those things for Carolina. So that, I mean, this offense presents challenges. And for a team that looked putrid, you know, against Dallas, right? Like, I mean, how about that Chris Jones? Was it Chris Jones, I think, tackle attempt on the Pollard uh, touchdown run? Right. Worst thing I've ever seen, right? Um, you could go down the line. Really, out, anyone outside of Eric Kendricks, you could – Say played a poor game for the Vikings defense, um, and so
0: that includes Harrison Smith, who looked awful by the way last he week. He guessed
1: Alex. wrong a couple of times, and it really hurt. Uh, <laughs> so the well, also the, the 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 flag on that hit was also kind of dumb, but that's beside the point. So I think the Vic, the the Panthers offense this week presents a tougher challenge than the Cowboys offense just did. Despite I think both teams have a lot of playmakers, right? The receiving cores are both really good um and i think you know i trust like i mean mike like you said mike davis is pretty good um and and whether it's teddy whether it's pj walker this panthers offense can play and so I, i uh i'm concerned about the vikings defense in this one and it's weird because going into the cowboys game they were gaining momentum they had shut down a couple of teams pretty well and then you let andy dalton kind of do more or less what he wanted granted the field position battle sucked but you know, right. let Andy Dalton kind of get what he wanted. And uh, now you got, you know, another highly skilled group of, of playmakers coming into town.
0: Absolutely. Right. And you think about kind of the issues that were presented by Dallas last week, right? We talked all about those, the three wide receivers that can all make a difference in that game. And I think Michael Gallup was really the only one that wasn't much of a factor. Um, obviously CD lamb comes up with the, the biggest catches, but uh, you're right. This is a similar situation here where you got three competent wide receivers and uh, what makes me most nervous about Carolina specifically uh, is the fact that all three of those guys that you just listed more Anderson and Samuel are among the best in the league at being deep threats mm-hmm. in terms of catching the ball downfield and making it really hurt. Uh, those three guys are, you know, next to Tyreek Hill, really. That's it about um, in terms of 30 plus yard completions, which is, you know, that's a great way to beat the Vikings right they also
1: now. throw like, Justin Jefferson in, in that conversation as well. I mean, for 20-yard receptions and 30-yard receptions, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, my point being, though, is that I think that this is an offense that is more difficult to keep up with than people give it credit for, even with McCaffrey out of the game. Um, so you look at kind of this game as a whole, right? What does this game mean? What do the Vikings have to do? Um, what opportunities do they have? And what disadvantages do they have? This is the last chance, and that's the name of this episode, by the way, because this is the last opportunity for this football team in Minnesota. If you lose yeah. one more game, it's basically over, and if you lose two more, it is officially over. So you've got a little wiggle room. And this is understanding you really, you that there don't.
1: is two games at Tampa at New Orleans on the schedule, so like, right. it's already probably over anyway right. because of that, but this is we're, we're, we're hanging on for dear life here. We're on life support. Right. And this is this is a game that is an absolute must win. If I mean these are all must wins at this point. When you go one and five to start the season, you're in must yep. win territory no matter what the rest of the year. Right. But you got a Carolina game at home. This is another one of those like probably should win games because their defense isn't very good. Right. Um, but it's just though it's, that should win type of philosophy mentality doesn't really seem to work against the Viking or ex, excuse me with the Vikings team they lose a lot of games that they should win and they also have won games that they should not win so it's football's weird the vikings are weird i don't really know what to expect i really don't know what to expect this weekend i i seriously have no idea cuz i i this team has given me any range of outcomes that you can expect from a team so i don't do you have any ideas
0: i mean so this you're right i mean football is it's like this every sunday by the way we pretend it's not we pretend we can predict predict what's going to happen and this I mean, true. really we can't but it's it is an any given sunday thing and really the sooner you learn that in your football uh fandom the better off you'll probably be because really i mean anyone could be it anyone. applies to
1: any team besides the jets pretty much
0: <laughs> yeah pretty much um But these are professionals, right? And the Vikings, regardless of if it's Teddy Bridgewater or P.J. Walker, I think both quarterbacks present similar issues. I don't want to focus too much on that position specifically because we are recording on Tuesday ahead of the Thanksgiving holiday here, um, so we're not sure which one is going to be the starting quarterback this week. Uh, But that being said, like, I, you know, Bridgewater and Walker, mobile quarterbacks. You know, Everyone here that's listening to this show is familiar with Teddy Bridgewater. I don't need to break down his strengths and weaknesses. You guys know that. Uh, And Walker is a lot of the same thing, except for he's a little bit more adept throwing the ball downfield. So really, I'm more concerned with Walker being the starting quarterback. If I'm picking for Mike Zimmer, I want to to play Teddy Bridgewater because I know Teddy Bridgewater. I Mm -hmm. don't know P.J. Walker. So that's something to keep in mind here as we get throughout the week here. If it is Walker, I think he really does give a – Carolina a better advantage in this specific week than Teddy Bridgewater could. Now, with that being said, it doesn't really matter who's throwing the ball as long as these guys are catching it, right? Um, and they do have the pieces that we went through, but there are some, also some very big weaknesses in terms of just offensive efficiency with this team, right? They don't have the most productive offensive line they do have major holes. They don't have the most adept route runners in the league, though. I will give DJ Moore some credit because I think he's gotten very good at running that up and out. It's about as dangerous as he can be. Um, but Robbie Anderson is basically a vertical guy and, you know, kind of a, like a screen guy. He's a two, he's a two trick pony in my opinion. So you can slow him down if you're smart enough in theory by scheming away from just scheming Robbie Anderson out of the game. I think you can do that. Um, Curtis Samuel is next to impossible to prepare for. You don't even know what you're going to get. It's like you said, it's like preparing for Percy Harvin because he could line up in the backfield and he can line up in the slot or out wide. It doesn't matter to me. The difference in this game is how you control DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel, because you're going to get some production from Mike Davis, but it's not going to be, you know, in the form of a 60-yard breakaway touchdown. He's more of like a churn-and-burn kind of guy Mm -hmm. where you're going to get three, four, five yards per carry consistently throughout the game, and he'll probably finish with like a 3.9 yards per carry average and a touchdown. He's not going to be the guy who decides this game. To me, it's going to be this offense and how they deal – because let's be real here. The Vikings really lost last week, like truly, because of their defense. If the defense allows the 20 points, the Vikings win, right? they would. And, you know, I understand that Kirk Cousins had the chance, but if the Vikings' just defense just, you know, didn't allow that last touchdown, or didn't allow the touchdown before that, or... or the touchdown
1: if, before that. <laughs> or
0: the touchdown before that. I mean, we could can, we can do this. We could play if-then, whatever. But, ultimately, to me, the defense is the biggest issue for the Vikings right now, and I think Carolina has the playmakers to make it hurt even without McCaffrey in the lineup. Now, you flip over to the defensive side, which was what you were talking about. They're very weak defensively. They have... And granted, this last week would kind of be an, uh, would be kind of an outlier, but they're, in terms of pressuring the quarterback, they've been awful all season long. I know they were able to get after Max, Matt Stafford last week, but generally, this is a terrible pressure team. The Vikings should have plenty of time to maneuver the football. So just like last week, the Vikings have a significant d- advantage over Carolina's defense and a significant d- disadvantage over Carolina's offense because of the the way this – I mean, and this is really what this Vikings team is, right? That's pretty much the situation they're going I think, to think
1: Uh I think we're in for a shootout, uh, and I, I, I'm i just taking a glance over at uh, – What's know, a shootout?
0: For, what qualifies as a shootout? Was twenty-eight? Well, was 31-28 a shootout?
1: See, the thing about it is the Vikings are so methodical with their drives, and they take so much time and they run the ball so much that a shootout for the Vikings is like a bunch of eight-minute scoring drives. You know? Um right. And so that might might be in a game like this Cowboys game where they had, you know, 28 points. Uh, But I'm just – I was taking a quick glance over at the total and the gambling, you know, the spread and whatnot. 48 and a half is the total. I'm taking that over easily. I think this is going to be a shootout because you get – the Panthers are – you know, they do make those big explosive plays, you know. You got the explosive receivers. Yeah, I think you have a quarterback in Walker who, if if he's the starter, will take more shots down the field. Uh, But then the Vikings also – they haven't had the problem moving the ball at all in the last four weeks uh, since the bye week. It's been – Dalvin has been churning out, uh, you know, four to five yards of carry. Kirk has been extremely efficient uh, using the play-action pass. So, I think this will be a lot – there will be a lot of points scored. Neither defense is that good. And for what it's worth, the Panthers are 31st in the league on third-down defense. Um, They are 24th against the – uh, run and and night 20th against the pass. So, not a great defense uh, on Carolina's side of the ball. And that is including a shutout last week against Detroit. So, before that, I mean, look right. at their point totals, right. what they've been giving up 46, 33.
0: Outlier.
1: Right. I mean, before that, they got 46 at Tampa Bay and then 33, 25, 27, 23. So, and then they had a couple other 30 plus point, uh, you know, uh, games earlier in the season. So, Defenses gives up points. Vikings are good at scoring points and doing so efficiently. I think there'll be a lot of points scored in this game. It's going to be about, uh, really which quarterback does the most with kind of their last couple of chances in that fourth quarter. And of course, as we know, with Kirk cousins, that might not be the best bet for the Vikings.
0: Right. Right. So, um, in the spirit of kind of pressing through here, um, as Far as the defense goes, like you're right, like those numbers, those objective figures t- t- tell the whole story, right? This isn't a very good defense in terms of guys that can still make it hurt. Kurt Cousins has a way of finding him, doesn't he? There's three guys to me, one at each level, that stand out. Brian Burns, who's a second year player, high draft pick last year, coming off of the edge, he had two sacks last week. Um, he flashed potential last year as well. I think that. You know, in a, in a couple of weeks from now, if he has, you know, getting closer to eight, nine, 10 sacks, we may turn around, we may look at last week's performance against Detroit as kind of the moment where he sort of turned it on and took it to the next level and became a more consistent player. So I would keep an eye on Brian Burns specifically coming off of the edge. He's a dangerous pass rusher, and I think he has the potential to screw up what Kirk Cousins likes to do, and that's stand like a stone in the backfield and throw deep to Jefferson and Thielen. So keep an eye on him. The second piece is Shaq Thompson who's the weak side linebacker on this team Um, if you've been following my sports coverage since like 2014 you know that I love Shaq Thompson and that he was one of my absolute favorite prospects that I've ever had the opportunity to to look at and I really wanted him for the Vikings and that and part of that is because I didn't know that Eric Kendricks existed and part of that is that I thought that Thompson would be a better version of what Eric Kendricks is. And he hasn't been, he's still a very good player, but the ball skills is what, or what stood out to me at Washington. And I think they still exist now in Carolina. Uh, and he's, he's a very good mid-level defender that can, can cover both running backs and tight ends, which you don't really see from a ton of linebackers in the the professional rank right now. I think that he is a, you know, if you think of Eric Kendricks as Coca-Cola soda, I would consider Shaq Thompson to be like an RC Cola version because you're getting the same type of skills. It's just not the same. Eric Kendricks is going to make crazy plays consistently. Shaq Thompson might flub one here or there. That's kind of what I see, but I would keep an eye on him. And then the final one is the cornerback on the left side, Dante Jackson. Um, He's dangerous because he has great ball skills. He also gets beat and he likes to gamble. So to me, that's a coin flip with Kirk Cousins because if you're going to attack him, which I'm sure he will because – Reminds probably- me
1: another, of another Jackson, Eddie Jackson in Chicago, who has gotten the better of Kirk. A couple right. Times.
0: <laughs> right. So I would keep an eye on those three guys. I think really to me, if they're not, if, if they don't get anything or very little from those three playmakers, it's difficult for this Carolina defense to do anything mm-hmm. like, because those are really the three guys that I'm concerned about. And, you know, uh, I suppose we'll we'll see how Mike Zimmer or excuse me I guess Gary Kubiak tries to neutralize those threats. I think Burns is probably the easiest to neutralize because you have to feel pretty confident with the left side of your your offensive line right now, uh, or I guess it would be the right. Technically, it would be the right side, which I'm even more confident in. So um, point stance. Um, I think that the the biggest issue to me is is Dante Jackson. I'm most concerned about him because he might get burned all night long and then and might come up with the big play at the end because he has the propensity to do so. So those are my three guys to keep an eye on. Okay. Uh, any final thoughts on this Carolina team? What could sink or, you know, save the Vikings ship here in this game uh, before we go into our picks?
1: I just think it, it's going to be about the Vikings defense. Uh, I, I, are we going to see the defense that showed up the three weeks prior to the Cowboys game? Or are we going to see – you know, the defense that is basically nothing without Eric Hendricks out there and the the one that uh, gave absolutely zero effort to try and tackle Tony Pollard on the touchdown run, stuff like that. So um, that's what I'll be looking to see, and I'm sure Mike Zimmer will hopefully kind of light a fire under them a little bit and uh, bring it back. So I, even despite the Panthers allowing nothing against the Lions last week, I'm very confident that the Vikings offense will be able to move the ball and put up some scoring drives. It's just can the Vikings defense get enough stops against Carolina's offense
0: Uh, all fair points um let's make our picks here then so all that all that being said we know where the Vikings stand um we know how important this game is um for a variety of reasons right if you're in the conversation that thinks top 10 draft pick you probably want the Vikings to lose this game if you're on the flip side and still believe which I'm sure there are a couple of you out there uh you still want to win this football game and you know have an opportunity to move to six and six next week against Jacksonville, who is also struggling. Um, I think that it's pretty clear here that the weaknesses for both these teams are very similar. And I think, you know, you have to feel confident the Vikings have the better group of playmakers, or at least the more established group of
1: playmakers. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, But is that enough? Can the Vikings get it done here against Carolina at home the way we thought they would two weeks ago?
1: Uh, I will pick the Vikings uh, very reluctantly. I just – Football's weird. Um, I, I, you know, it's impossible to have a, a pulse on this team right now. Uh, that you just don't know which version's going to show up. Uh, but with that said, I'll take the Vikings, and I, most of that is I just think that the defense is bound to rebound after last week.
0: Yeah, I'm going to take Minnesota as well. Um, I just think they're the better. I think they're the better team. You know, a lot changed for me in terms of my overall perspective of the season last week, but I can't deny that the Vikings are still pretty damn good offensively, and generally speaking, pretty competent defensively. I think that's all it's going to take this week. This is not an elite football team, especially, you know, without McCaffrey, I believe for sure. I think he's been ruled out, Um, and probably not. And, you know, the the same could be said about Teddy Bridgewater as well. You're playing backups. You should win. And the Vikings yeah. are good enough to do so. So I'm going to pick them to do so. Although again, after last week, I'm not saying, I will I'm say gonna, I'm not betting on the Vikings.
1: It seems as if the Vikings are destined to win eight games every, <laughs> every even year, right? Yeah. Like 2016, eight and eight, a bunch of things had to go wrong for that five and zero start to not, you know, result in more than eight wins. 2018, another season where so many things went wrong and your roster is absolutely loaded with talent. You win eight games. And then it seems like 2020 is kind of something similar is going on here where, you know, a lot of these games are coming down to the wire and they're just finding ways to lose them. And you know, what should be probably a six and five record right now, or I, excuse me, uh, you know, Oh yeah. Six, five, six and four record right now, given how close some of these games have been, they've just found ways to lose them. Um, uh, they're they're not doing they're not winning those games so uh that you know it seems to me like eight and eight is kind of destined to happen this year which probably is not enough for a playoff spot
0: I mean if you look at the remaining schedule I see eight and eight or seven and nine. (laughs) anyways um let's uh let's fly through the rest of our picks here and get you guys off to the rest well I guess since you're probably listening to this on Thanksgiving get you back to your Thanksgiving holiday and fighting with your family about politics so I know you want to do that. So let's get through these picks here as quickly as possible. Uh, both of us, both drew and I are on Minnesota this week uh, for better or for worse. Uh, the rest of this slate, um, I will say, I think this is the worst game of, you know, the worst slate of football games that I've seen in a very long time. You're not missing much. Um, if you're not gambling this weekend um, in terms of viewer, like value, I don't think there just isn't much this week in terms of the quality of these perform of these matchups, in my opinion. So uh, Houston at Detroit will lead us off here. You got two bad teams playing against each other with two really good quarterbacks. Uh, Is it Deshaun Watson or Matthew Stafford that gets it done this
1: week? Deshaun Watson is really, really, really good. And I will take Houston in that game because of that. Um, He's, he's super, super good. And it's, it's actually astonishing how bad Houston is everywhere else. Like I feel bad for Deshaun.
0: You have to feel bad for him because you're right. He is the backbone of that team. And he quite literally willed his team to victory last week. What he you have two rushing touchdowns and a couple passing touchdowns to beat new England? And that's knowing that bill Belichick is scheming against you to take you out of the game. Cause you got nothing else offensively. Yeah, mm-hmm. Watson's a very good good player. I think he's good enough to beat Detroit by himself, so I'm going to have to pick him as well. Uh, the next one here, we go to the NFC East, which this is, in theory, the most one of the more competitive games here just because both these teams are in it. That's Washington and Dallas, but in terms of the quality of performance, this should not be a good football game. Andy Dalton, um, I believe it will be Alex Smith again this week. Um, who gets the better there?
1: I'm going to take Washington. Uh, they kind of dominated – Andy Dalton last time before he, Dalton left the game for injury. Uh, I'll take, I'll sort of, you know, pick Washington based on, they seem to have Dalton figured out. Now I kind of thought the Vikings would uh, this past week and they didn't, but uh, I'll pick Washington.
0: So I went over with you a couple weeks ago, The when you have a game that's a toss-up, right? Kind of how I determine toss-ups. And one of them is always coaching. Uh, Mike McCarthy or Ron Rivera. These are two bad teams. I'm going to take Ron Rivera because I like the way he coaches a lot more. I know that McCarthy's successful. I also don't think he's smart or innovative at the, at like the, the position of head coach. So I'm going to take Ron Rivera's Washington football team. They, they have been surprising me all season long. Um, Chase Young keeps getting, get, keeps getting better. And Alex Smith, like I thought he was going to be lucky to be like a guy who goes 10 for 14 for 110 yards. He's throwing for 300 every week.
1: He looks yeah. good. I mean, they're throwing a lot too, but yeah.
0: he's – they're, I mean, they're, they're getting it done. So I'm going to take Washington as well. Um, in my opinion, this is the best game of the week. This a fall on Thursday night, um, or I guess tonight. Um, that's Baltimore at Pittsburgh. Lamar Jackson, not looking great. Baltimore falling to pieces right in front of our eyes. Pittsburgh is one of the first 10 and 0 teams in recent memory. I believe what they're the fifth team ever to do so or something like something that. Like that. Um, and they look really good across the board. Uh, who do you got in this one?
1: So I don't buy the Steeler hype. Like I don't think they're in that. They're not the best team in the league in my opinion, but. I think Baltimore is—they've fallen off, and I think people have figured out their offense. Uh, that offense is limited right now. I think forcing Lamar Jackson to throw from the pocket has limited the Ravens' offense quite a bit. So I'm going to take the Steelers. I think they'll shut down Lamar. It won't even take—it won't take more than you know 20 points. I don't think to win this game. Both defenses will shine, but I think the Steelers have another uh, a little bit more on offense.
0: Yeah, I'm going to take Pittsburgh as well. Uh, they're just a more well-oiled machine right now. Now. That being said, I do think Mike Tomlin teams, or I guess Mike Tomlin team, because he's only been the head coach of Pittsburgh, they do seem to play down to their competition level. Every yeah. single game they play, it seems to be close, regardless of they're playing the Jets or.
1: Remember the Dallas game a couple of weeks ago? I mean, exactly. it was, who was it, Garrett Gilbert that almost beat him? <laughs> so. Right.
0: So I think this one is more of a toss up than I think we're giving it credit for, given this kind of the standard that. Maybe uh, take Baltimore Ravens set. plus five and a half. Yeah, I would probably take the Ravens with the spread, but straight up, I'm taking Pittsburgh as well. Uh, next one here. Las Vegas at Atlanta uh, has the potential to be fun, but neither of these two teams are either relevant. But uh, Derek Carr, Matt Ryan has the potential to be a shootout. Who you got in this one?
1: Atlanta looked really bad against the Saints, and for that reason, I'm taking Las Vegas. They Las Vegas is sneaky, kind of gritty. Uh, I like them. And so, I mean – yeah, the Falcons are just bad, and I, I hate saying that because they destroyed the Vikings, but the Raiders look competitive enough to win this one.
0: Yeah. Um, I do – I think that – you know, I think Atlanta is kind of like the Vikings where it's like some weeks you're like, wow, why isn't this team more competitive? And then no, other you're weeks right. you're like, That's I understand. True. So um, I do think that this is a week where they look like hell, though. So I'm going to take Las Vegas as well. <laughs> I
1: think Back-to-back yeah. weeks where they look like hell. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, next one here, we got the Los Angeles chargers heading to Buffalo to take on the bills. Uh, you know, competitive football game in theory, Justin Herbert's a hell of a lot of fun to watch. Uh, the bills are coming off of bye, so they seem to be in theory would be more well rested. Um, who gets it done here? Is it Josh Allen or the rookie Herbert?
1: I'm gonna take Josh Allen, the bills. There's just better players on Buffalo. Um, and you know, the chargers are still kind of struggling and to, to figure out how to win games at this point. And so they almost lost to the jets last week. Uh, so I'm going to take Buffalo.
0: Yep. I'm going Buffalo as well. Uh, they're the safe pick. Los Angeles just hasn't been consistent all year. Uh, and this is where we start to really get into some fun ones here. Uh, the New York giants against the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, no, Joe burrow, Daniel Jones has been better. Um, who you got in this one?
1: I'll take the giants. Uh, they, they're going to be four and seven, sneaking back into the NFC East. I mean, that division's hilarious. Yeah, uh, and they're it, it's it's great. I'm taking the Giants just because the Bengals have Ryan Finley. I think at quarterback.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to take the Giants too. I think they're the safe pick. Uh, I'm not.
1: Imagine the saying that three weeks ago. I'm yep. going to take the Giants for the safe pick. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, without Joe Burrow, Cincinnati. It's,
1: it's true though. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with you.
0: Yeah. Um, all right, the next one here, Tennessee and Indianapolis. That one has the potential to be some fun in the AFC South. Um, I think I have an idea of where you're going with this one, but do you want to so, it for me?
1: The Titans can never beat the Colts. Like it's 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 really unbelievable. Really? Uh, they they never do. It's it's kind of strange. Uh, I'm going to pick the Colts here, and which is very anti or against sort of my titans fandom i guess and it's not really a fandom but i just kind of really like Vrabel and the way that they do things but they can't they they, it's just been a it's a historical thing with the titans i just can't beat the colts for whatever reason so i am going to pick the colts
0: i'm going to take tennessee just because you took the colts i was going to take whatever team you didn't to be (laughs) honest with you so i think this is a toss-up this is a good matchup this is one of the few good matchups this week so you can say say those quarterbacks
1: are kind of similar too. i know you like to go with that as the next sort of the next uh step in your decision-making absolutely. process but rivers and, and Tannehill are kind of similar there
0: yeah yeah absolutely arizona at new england is the next one here cam newton and kyler murray uh, it sounds fun on paper but new england man i don't really know what kind of t- who, like who they are so who you got in this one
1: yeah i don't know what they are either uh i'm gonna pick arizona uh obviously for the vikings sake if you're still hoping for right. uh, a playoff spot you're really rooting for new england in this one but right. i will take the cardinals here
0: yep i'm gonna take arizona as well um I just, I, I, that's what I said before. It's just, that's it. Like I can't pick New England confidently right now. I can feel better about what Arizona is doing because it's, they've been pretty consistently a top five offense all year. Yeah.
1: So I um, will I'll say here. once again, I will be optim— not optimistic. I will, I will be back in on the Vikings playoff hopes. If the Vikings win and the Cardinals lose to the Patriots, I'll be like back in it, which is going to stink because I know I'm going to be <laughs> let down again, but I will be back in.
0: I think I'm with you, but I guess we'll find out next week. Uh, this next one here is not a game that we're probably going to pick. It's Miami at the Jets. Um, I assume we're both going Miami here. No one yeah, picks.
1: I don't care who plays quarterback for Miami. They're beating the Jets.
0: But, yeah, I'm with you on that as well. Uh, Cleveland at Jacksonville here, another one that probably doesn't plan to be competitive. Cleveland looks pretty good. Jacksonville looks pretty bad. Um, can Jacksonville yeah, get the upset? The Browns,
1: or? Kevin Stefanski is going to be 8-3 and three if they beat Jacksonville. Uh, and They have done it by winning ugly every week yeah. because they keep playing home games where it's like 20 degrees and a 40 mile an hour wind. So, but Hey, credit to Stefanski. He keeps winning them.
0: Yep. I'm taking Cleveland as well. I mean, that's the team I'm rooting for here. Right. Um, yeah. The Vikings aren't going to make you know all run at the Super Bowl. Um I'll take the, the fun AFC team that never really seems to get to have any fun either. So um, I will take Cleveland in this one. I think they're the obvious pick here. Um, New Orleans at Denver is the next one on here. Uh, Denver looks pretty bad. New Orleans with Taysom Hill. I mean, that was kind of interesting to watch. He was not bad at playing quarterback. Uh, He's not Steve Young, like everyone keeps saying, but uh, he definitely has the skill set to be a similar type of quarterback. Uh, Is he able to do it against a good Denver defense? What do you think?
1: I totally have something in my eye right now, so I'm, like, hardly focused. (laughs) I don't even know what it is. But I'll try to get through the picks here, and then we can be done. Uh, I'm taking Denver in this game because – I trust Vic Fangio to figure out Taysom Hill a little bit better. Uh, and so I'm going to take Denver and they kind of, they looked pretty good too this past week. So I'll take them over the Saints. Uh, this is really bothering me. By the way. <laughs> oh my God.
0: Um, I'm going to take new Orleans. Um, I think they're the more competent team. I liked what I saw from Taysom Hill. Like I just said, um, I think they get it done against a not great Denver team. Um, and because you have something in your eye, let's do rapid fire on these last four here. San Francisco at Los Angeles Rams. Who you got in that one?
1: got the Rams. Yeah,
0: I think the Rams are the safe pick. Uh, San Francisco doesn't look good, still recovering from injury. Uh, so the Rams for both of us there. Kansas City at Tampa Bay has the potential to be a fun one. Uh, Patrick Mahomes gets to go against uh, Tom Brady, who did kind of fell apart down the, the stretch there. Yeah, he got in this one.
1: yeah I'm going to go with the Chiefs. I'm picking the Chiefs every single week. I don't see a team that they – I'm not picking, you know. I, I, they're, I'm picking them every single week.
0: Yep, I am too. Kansas City for me as well, uh, which brings us into our last two here. Chicago and Green Bay. Who you got in that
1: one? Yeah, Green Bay. Uh, the Bears need to show me they can score any points at all offensively before I'm picking them.
0: Absolutely. Completely agree. I will go with Green Bay as well. And then our final game, the Monday night game, which uh, could be fun just based on the Seahawks' history on you know primetime football. Uh, they got the Philadelphia Eagles this week. Who you got?
1: I've got Seattle because Carson Wentz looks like duty right now. Yep. Uh that mm, that guy looks bad right now and so he's probably feeling some heat with jalen hurts sitting behind him by the way this could be the game
0: we see jalen hurts
1: it could be it could be i'm taking russell wilson in prime time
0: yeah um i will take seattle as well uh they're a much better football team like definitively speaking Uh, um up through week 11 now uh Drew has a commanding four game lead now at 104 and 57 against my 161. I had the worst week of my picking history last week. This is the worst. I've never picked a worst week ever. I went five and nine. So we'll look to rebound here with the picks that we just gave you. Um, And hopefully the Vikings will rebound as well. Um, There's still an opportunity. It's not a good one. I don't believe in it. I don't think a lot of you guys do either. Um, But there's an opportunity here. And uh, like you said, if Arizona loses, which they could, and the Vikings win, which they could,
1: um, we'll be right back. <laughs> then we're right discussing- back in it, and we're going to be discussing playoff scenarios and all that again. And it's uh, yep. it's going to be dumb.
0: It's been a roller coaster of a season, and I think that roller coaster is going to continue for probably probably into December. So uh, we'll be back to discuss more of that uh, next week. Um, I hope you guys all have a great Thanksgiving holiday. Enjoy your food, or you know, depending on what you're doing, um, enjoy your family as well if you're able to to do so. Um, and thank you for listening. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google play, Spotify, or any place else you find your podcasts. Uh, make sure to check us out on YouTube and the daily Norseman as well. If you'd like to leave a comment, um, we love reading through those. That's always a lot of fun for us. Um, and finally, make sure to check out the rest of the climbing the pocket team. Uh, we're producing content Monday through Friday, every day, uh, should be new stuff that's available to you to check out. Um, and so, so do that. I, I encourage you to do so. Um, the guys on our team are creating a bunch of good stuff. Uh, And uh, yeah, so thank you for listening. Um, Have a great holiday and we will catch you guys next week.